What's up, y'all? Welcome back into the Lacrosse Bucket Podcast. Coming to y'all a bit later than usually uh, with this weekend's preview podcast, but nonetheless, getting it in here on a Friday afternoon, uh, just a few hours before the weekend action kicks off with uh, some Friday night lacrosse here. Got Canisius and Monmouth, I should say, Friday afternoon uh, with that one. And then we have uh, Cabrini playing Penn, uh, the first Ivy League game in quite some time. Um, I believe over a year uh, since we've had some... Yeah, it's been over a year since we've had Ivy League lacrosse. Uh, Penn and Cabrini uh, play as well as Boston U and Brown also uh, are playing, and Dartmouth and Tufts. So uh, three Ivy League games this weekend, two against uh, Division Three squads, and then this one, obviously, Boston U and Brown, uh, which I think is the most intriguing one, um, for me at least. Um, on Friday night, uh, 7 p.m. So uh, for most of y'all who are listening, uh, has not happened yet. But uh, so so again, that's Friday night lacrosse. We got Canisius Monmouth, Cabrini, uh, D3 versus Penn. And then the the other, uh, you know, two Ivy games. We're not going to talk too much about those. But uh, we, we have Boston U and Brown on Friday night. And we have Dartmouth and Tufts on uh, Sunday. So, uh, an exciting week if you're an Ivy League lacrosse fan, uh, w- with some of those teams being back. Um, you know, I think the teams that are back playing that local play, um, are, are some of the ones that, you know, that we expected to be doing that. Um, you know, obviously, uh, you, you know, Yale, w- w- we know was in favor, um, of a bubble type season. Uh, we know, who was it? Joe Sy uh, was going to fund the majority of that, uh, pitch in for funding for that. That never happened, and obviously we have no Ivy League season, but teams, if they get into a certain stage of their like return to campus, um, I guess is what you would call it, they can play local play, which is, I believe, a 50-mile radius, I want to say it is. Um, no. 40-mile radius is what it is, 40-mile radius. So, like, Penn could play Drexel or um, St. Joe's, but, like, Penn couldn't go play, for instance, you know, North Carolina. Um, You know, Brown couldn't go play Syracuse, you know. Um, And, and, you know, Cornell, which uh, I don't think they have enough. Some some of these schools don't have enough guys on campus to play. Um, like Cornell, I assume if they had enough guys, and I actually got asked this question, if they have enough guys on campus, which I don't believe they do, um, I know Yale doesn't either, would they be able to play Syracuse? And I don't know the exact mileage from Cornell to Syracuse, but, um, like, if they did, like, you would, 
you would probably be able to um, if it's in the radius. And well, let's just put that into the old Google Maps here real quick. By the way, this is not happening. So just FYI, this is not happening. Um, eh, no, it's out of the radius. It's 53 miles. Um, so 50-ish uh, miles. So it, it's out of the radius. So that that wouldn't be able to happen. Um, but so Ivy League schools can play local competition. No conference competition, um, unfortunately, but, you know, great to see those teams back. Uh, it was a pretty long introduction there um, with some Ivy League talk. Um, and, and before we get into a full weekend preview, you know, we, we've got to go over what transpired last night uh, with Duke and Notre Dame, another ACC Thursday night thriller and you see I don't know if y'all can hear that but uh dog barking that's how exciting uh that game was <laughs> um there um in Koskinen Stadium it, you know a very very exciting ACC Thursday night game as we've become accustomed to um and man did we have some fireworks at the end so you know the 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 first half of this game I it was Abysmal for Duke. So Duke wins it 13-12 in overtime. Um, they end the game on a 6-0 run, which is capitalized, uh, capped off, I, I guess you would say, with a Cameron Mule game winner, um, another overtime game winner for Duke in Thursday, on Thursday night. Uh, three straight now, just <laughs> unbelievable. Um, you know, and... and, and, and Notre Dame, I, the, the, the first half, the first half and a portion of the first quarter felt very much like that game up in South Bend, where the Irish were dominating. Now, in that first contest, it was more, uh, you know, thinking back to it, it, it felt more even in the first half, whereas Notre Dame kind of took over in the second half. Um, but it felt like the Irish were continuing that trend, continuing to do that here to start this game. They got up 5-0 at the end of the first, 7-3 at the half, and they put in two early in the third to make it 9-3. I mean, you're down 9-3. And I know there was some some I know there were some people that turned this game off. Never, ever, ever turn off a lacrosse game. Never. Like, that's rule. Like, anyone who is just getting into a class, I tell them, do not turn off the game. Unless it is in the final minute and it's a blowout, do not turn off the game. Because I have seen, I mean, we saw here 6 0 run in the final 7 33, something like that to win the game, obviously force overtime and get the overtime game winner. I, I, I've i seen guys come back from eight down with three minutes left to win a game. Like, that's the kind of stuff that happens in this sport. It's why we love this game so much. One of the reasons why we love this game so much. Um, and, and this comeback for Duke. Oh, Before we talk about Duke, 
I want to talk about Pat Kavanaugh real quick because the man had an unbelievable first half. Unbelievable first half. So, as I mentioned, Notre Dame was up 73 at half. Do you know who is involved in every single one of those goals? Pat Kavanaugh. I mean, Duke could not stop him. They could not stop him. Could not stop him. He scored the first two goals of the game. Had, um, I think he had three in the first quarter, if if I'm not mistaken. I know he ended the first half with four goals and three assists. Ended the game with that as well as he was silent in the second half. Um, Obviously had the shoe malfunction, and we'll talk about that um, in a second here. Uh, but just unbelievable first half from Pat Kavanaugh, and and really that attack unit. Will York also had a solid first half as well, and, and it really felt like kind of the the shift from first to second half was mostly offensively for the Irish. Going, you know, their midfield was producing more in the second half than the attack was, and like I've gone back and watched the game again this morning, and it's clear, I mean, it, it is clear as day. I mean, Pat Kavanaugh was just silenced. Um, you know, I don't really necessarily think, and I think they said this on the broadcast as well, is like, it wasn't necessarily one guy, like, just shutting him off, or one guy, you know, it wasn't just like JT Giles Harris just, just hammering him all, like, the entire half. It was a team effort from this Duke defense that really stepped up. Mike Adler um, looked very impressive in the second half. I think that was a part of it as well, um, that they shut down that Irish attack unit as best as they could. And, you know, conversely, on the uh, defensive end for Notre Dame, their defense, I thought, was, you know, especially late in the game, during that six-goal run, especially was terrible. Um, and, and, and Duke did exactly what you need to do to beat that Notre Dame offense, and that is get the ball inside. And if you can get the ball inside, you can beat this. You can beat this defense. Excuse me. I think I said offense for a second um, before that, but um, defense. You can beat this Notre Dame defense getting the ball inside. And they did that. They got the ball inside. They found even, I mean, and not all those shots came from the inside either. Um, You had Michael Sowers just going off, right, and doing his thing uh, from above GLE. And, you know, we had seen some takes of Michael Sowers can't shoot on Twitter and stuff. Well, he just proved everybody wrong about that. I don't know where the heck that sentiment came from. That's just stupid. That's just stupid. Michael Sowers absolutely played phenomenal in this game, especially in the second half. And, you know, got to give a shout-out to Nakai Montgomery. You know, he was the best player for Duke wire to wire in this game, um, in my opinion. Obviously, Sowers went off in the end, and Mule had the game winner. But without Nakai Montgomery sparking this run, I don't know if Duke ever – ever gets hot like they did. 
because every time that Duke was able to answer in the second and third quarters, Notre Dame shot right back. And it, 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 it literally felt like, you know, Duke, is, it, okay, they're going to get on a run here. Oh, no, Notre Dame shot back. And they were able to counter every single thing they did. Nakai Montgomery goes off late in this game. Um, you know, he was the catalyst to this run in which we saw Michael Sowers just be Michael Sowers. Um, you know, you know, someone had, I was talking to someone today, and they had mentioned me. They said, "Yeah, they said, you know, it, it was like they took the cuffs off him or whatever of, of Sowers." And I don't know. I don't know if I'd necessarily say that because, and well, we did see some of that earlier in the season. Um, and I think more of that was just Sowers getting comfortable in this Duke offense. Um, but yeah, you. I mean, it, it certainly. If you want to say that, you could say that. I wouldn't necessarily subscribe to that, but. Um, definitely, he something clicked, and uh, you know they, they knew who to go to, and 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 he lived up to uh, he lived up to everything uh, that you know they needed him to be. He he did what was needed of him late in the game, and uh, Duke gets the win. Um, now the shoe, I want to talk about the shoe real quick. So um, Pat Cavanaugh, Notre Dame could have won the game. In the final, I think it was 23 seconds left when he scored the goal. Um, but the goal was waved off because he lost his shoe mid-dodge. Now, I believe the rule book states that if an offensive player loses the shoe or loses a piece of equipment, the player is called dead. But if a defensive player does it, it's a play on is what I believe is what was explained to me. So, um, and, okay, no, that's the opposite. It's the opposite, okay. So the way I, I understand this rule, and I'm looking at the rule book here, is that, you know, it, it's only a turnover if it's a defensive player who does that is when it's a turnover. But if it's the offensive player, it's a no goal. So, and team A gets the ball back, is what I'm reading this year. So, it you know, I, I don't necessarily think that's a good rule. Um, it, it didn't seem to affect the player of either him or the defenseman. Um, I, I obviously, if, if there's something where you lose a piece of your equipment and it affects the play of either um, your defenseman or you or another player, I can see where you rule that a, a, a dead play and a turnover to the opposite team. But if to lose your shoe mid dodge and score, you know, I, I don't, you know. That that should not be a no goal. I, I I think you should call that a goal. I think you should. It, it, and if you don't call it a goal, you should at least give the ball back to the team who had it. Call the play dead as soon as that shoe comes off. Reset. I mean, in my mind, that is what it it you no know, seems logical. Um, 
I know there's varying different opinions on this. I know those Notre Dame fans think the game was, you know, the game was handed to Duke, and you know, hey, you, you are right to, to think that because, I mean, if if Kavanaugh, if that goal does not get called back, if it does not get called uh, Duke's way, I mean, Kavanaugh, Duke likely wins. Uh, I mean, Notre Dame likely wins that game on the Kavanaugh goal. Um, so very odd situation there. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Um, but looking at the rule book today, I, I don't, the way I interpreted it and I might be interpreting it wrong, but the way I, I, I interpret it from what the rule book says, that should have been a no goal, but the Notre Dame gotten the ball back and it's a reset. I, you know, I don't know. It's, a lot of different intricacies there, um, a lot of different opinions, and I've heard from multiple of y'all from that. So, men, um, we've seen it all over Twitter from Notre Dame fans. But, um, again, impressive, impressive second half run uh, from Duke. Fourth quarter run, I should say, from Duke um, as you know, Michael Sowers and Nakai Montgomery uh, go off and kind of will them to victory there, Cameron Muley with the game winner. Moving on to our weekend preview here. Um, it is rivalry freaking weekend. And no rivalry. So we've already had Johns Hopkins in Maryland. Um, I'm not going to talk too much about that. So here's what I'll say about that. Obviously, most historic game in college lacrosse. Um, it's the second meeting this season. Uh, Maryland won the first meeting 18 to 10. I would probably assume it could be closer than last time. I would assume Johns Hopkins could um, make an effort in the second half, unlike last time. But um, if you're going to tell me that you think Johns Hopkins is going to win this game, I'm going to ask you what's wrong with you because that is ludicrous. Um, I, I don't see a way that Johns Hopkins wins this game. I think it's Maryland's one to take. It's obviously the last game of the season. Um, Maryland, number one team in the country right now, 11-game win streak. Um no, Jared Bernhardt's playing some of the best lacrosse of his career. Um, by the way, he'll be playing football in the fall. Um, just a little tidbit there. So, uh, will not be playing in the PLL. Um, or is not intending to play in the PLL. Um, but that doesn't mean he'll be. He won't be drafted um, next week during that draft. So, because um, I believe they still hold his rights. So, and, and he could be seeking two years of football, seeking a waiver. Uh, to play the fair state for two years. So uh, we'll see what goes down there with Jared Bernhardt and his football future. Uh, but lacrosse-wise, playing his best lacrosse as his team is, Johns Hopkins has lost five straight. I, I, you know, look, Johns Hopkins has made improvements this year. Um, I, I just don't see them winning this game at all. Like, in and that's, I don't think, it, if you think Johns Hopkins is going to win this game, you're not, you, you don't watch lacrosse because, come on, 
watch those two teams. It, it is night and day, the difference between those two. It is, I mean, they have the Pacific Ocean sized gap between those two right now. But it is a rivalry, so could be closer than expected, as always, but Maryland will get that win, um, I expect. So, moving past that one, move to Navy and Army, the most traditional, um, one of the most historic matchups in not only lacrosse, but just college athletics, obviously the football, lacrosse are, are two of the big ones for me, obviously. Um, you know, basketball as well. I mean, this is just, you know, it is a rivalry like any other. Um, it is America's game, if you will. They will go head-to-head at noon on CBS Sports Network. The 101st meeting between these two. Uh, big, big game, and I'm happy because we will have 17,000 fans in the stands. 17,000 fans in the stands. Will there be that many people? I don't know, but they're selling 17,000 tickets. If I lived in Maryland or in Annapolis, best believe I'd be going out there. 17,000 people in the stands. Great to see fans back. Great to see fans back in the double-digit thousands like we should have from the beginning. Fans all back in Marine Corps Stadium, 17,000 of them for Army and Navy. Now, this is a big contest, obviously, with a rivalry here, but there's also another factor of it. So, um, the Patriot League has changed their playoff um, structure for this year which I think I mentioned on Tuesday's podcast. Um, oh, actually, no, because that was announced was that announced Tuesday afternoon, so I did not mention that on there. But um, I hinted at a possible change. So uh, the change has come. Uh, so they do have the quarterfinals back in the uh, Patriot League tournament. So uh, the number one and number two seeds, I believe, will get that by. And then you have the quarterfinals to decide who goes to the semis uh, to play one and two, uh, which right now looks like Lehigh and Army are the one and two. Um, you know, Navy I mentioned is one of the last, one of my first four out of the NCAA tournament at the moment. Um, and you know, if, if they can get this win, this is a huge resume booster for them. Um, they're coming off a win over a Loyola team that. I think has decreased in value over the over the the season. Obviously, they're one of the most inconsistent teams that we've seen this year. So they're coming off a win there. Um, first win at Loyola, actually, for Navy. So they're coming in this to, to this game, and they're looking to get that win over a rival. Um, I believe Army was 2019 the year. I can't remember who it was. They had the... It was overtime at Navy. Army wins it in overtime. Yeah, that was 2019. That was the 100th meeting. This is the 101st. So um, they're looking to get back in the winning co- in the win column against their rival and boost their resume. 
Um, and you know, they would, I think at the moment they would get like the third or fourth seed in the Patriot League tournament. So they'd be in that quarterfinals, obviously, but, um, they would up those seeding in there. Um, Boston U's also in that mix for that third, fourth seed, um, with no, uh, Patriot League games left, um, due to Holy Cross, uh, canceling the rest of the season for violation of, uh, virus protocols. Um, so that's that. So uh, Navy, th- this is a, while it's a big game, obviously being a rival game, I think there's much more on the line here for Navy. Obviously, you want to sing second, but we'll see what goes on there. And for Army, they just continue to win and continue to improve their resume. Um, and it's obviously a big, big game here. In terms of who I think has the upper hand here, um, look, it's the it's the Army Navy game. I don't think any team has an upper hand. I think they're both coming in fierce, wanting to win this one. Um, obviously, I mentioned I think if you look at from a resume standpoint, um, obviously this game is important and it looks good on any resume. You want to beat if you're at Navy, you want to beat Army. If you're at Army, you want to beat Navy. Um, But from an NCAA tournament type standpoint, this is a in Patriot League type standpoint, this is a bigger game for if they win, it does more for Navy than it does for Army. I think Army is still kind of that. Um, you know, they're, they're the second best team in the Patriot League behind Lehigh this year, and then you have Navy and Loyola there at that third and fourth best team. Um, obviously, Navy beat Loyola, but Loyola also beat Navy. So if it, if Navy beats Army, I think they assert themselves as the, th- as the third best team in the Patriot League, without a doubt. So, you know, this game obviously carries a lot of weight for both teams. I think it's going to be a close one. Um, both defenses, I, I'm a big fan of, obviously, what you have in Schuppler, and Hudgens uh, for Army um, it, it, it is fantastic. And then with Navy, you have a, a guy, Spencer Lease, and then one of my favorite freshmen, Jackson Bonitz, uh, who's been phenomenal this year, along with uh, the rest of that Navy defense. Um, I, You know, offensively, I think Army has a bit of an upper hand. And when you look at the face with Brendan Nickturne, and those guys, but when you look at the face, looking at the face-off dot, I don't necessarily know. I think it's kind of a flip-the-coin type situation. Um, Army hasn't been good. Navy hasn't been much better. Um, but both both these teams have been able to use their defenses to you know, neutralize that weakness at the face-off dot in multiple games this season. So... You know, for me, I, I I honestly do think this is going to be a uh, a defensive heavy battle. I don't want to say it's going to be a low scoring game because both offensive both off both offenses have shown they can put up points. So and Navy the, the midfield especially has been pretty well, um, been pretty good over the past couple of weeks there, and then you have Christian Daniel 
at attack who, who's been very well. And then obviously with Army, they've got guys everywhere on offense. And I, I've talked multiple times about Army's offensive resurgence, if you will, uh, with Brendan Nicktone coming in and doing what he's been doing since his freshman year. So th- this is a game that could go a number of different ways. Uh, but in the end, I think it's probably going to be a close one. Um, you know, 12-11, 11-10, maybe overtime. Like, that's what I'm hoping for here, and I think that's what a lot of people are hoping for. Um, and that's usually what we get with Army-Navy. It, it's a tight game. It, it, it's a heavily contested game. Um, it, this is going to be an exciting one. Moving on to Syracuse and... Virginia. So, in February, the Syracuse Orange exploded in the second half, taking down the Virginia Cavaliers 20-10 to in the Dome. But, as we all know, since that meeting, these two teams couldn't have gone in different directions. Um... You have Virginia, who for a while there was the hottest team in the country. Um, that kind of goes to Towson now, but uh, Virginia, obviously, you know, beating um, beating Carolina uh, to split that season series, and beating Notre Dame in South Bend, um, and they'll play Notre Dame to end the season next week, I believe is who they have. So this is a, and and Syracuse, they've been terrible. They've been absolutely terrible. That win in February over Virginia is their only ACC win. They've been blown out by Notre Dame and North Carolina who play each other this weekend, and we'll talk about that in a second. But Syracuse has been blown out by the ACC teams they've played these past couple weeks. Ever since that that Duke Thursday night loss, and they weren't particularly fantastic in that one, and neither was Duke, they've been terrible. They beat Albany, as expected. I mean, they've beaten the teams they were supposed to beat. Nothing special about this team. And then you have Chase Scanlon, who has been suspended for the rest of the season, uh, suspended indefinitely. And according to Desco, what I saw was his status for this week is unknown. His status for the remainder of the season, which is two games, is unknown. It's unknown why he was suspended. I've heard a multitude of things. Um, you can go on the internet and see a multitude of things. Um, obviously, no, that's a hit for them. He's the second leading uh, point getter this season. Um, behind, you know, you still have Rafis and those guys, but um, th- th- this is an offense that, you know. And this is an offense that's been underperforming. Well, let's be real. This is a team that's been underperforming. Um, And I've had multiple people mention to me, 
Syracuse is better without Chase Scanlon this year. I don't necessarily agree with that, but I understand the sentiment um, as maybe, hey, let's try something new um, or something along those lines. Let's get a new top five in there. Let's get a new top six in there with, obviously, Scanlon out. But you still have Rafis, you still have Hiltz, Curry, Dordovic, Chimboli, Seabold is likely to, uh, Seabold will take that Scanlon spot there. So we'll see how he does. But, you know, I, I do think this is a pretty significant hit for Syracuse offensively, especially considering how bad their offense has been the past couple of weeks. Um, and I know we can. We we can beat the horse of like, we, we can talk about the piss poor defense and how terrible it is. And we can beat that horse to death, but um, you know the, the offense has been pretty bad as well. And and while they had some flashes, and and we've seen flashes against Notre Dame, they had some flashes getting the ball on the inside. Um, they they just looked a bit last week. That you no know, Notre Dame, they looked decent in the first half. Um, other folks quarter, I should say. Um, North Carolina, they just didn't look like they wanted to freaking be there. And I told you all on, on Sunday's podcast, go look up the one. I think it was the first goal for Carolina where Chris Gray has like 20 yards in between him and the defenseman, I believe. Uh, it appears like 20 yards. And he just, just stings it. No one on him. I mean, that's just – I think that that play right there was indicative of how that game was going to go. And it's pretty pretty indicative of how Syracuse's season has taken a turn for the worst. I don't know. I don't remember a more disappointing team than this Syracuse team, to be honest with you. Now, as far as Virginia is concerned, they want to get back at this Syracuse team for putting a whooping on them earlier in the season. And I think Virginia has, I mean, obviously Virginia has all the talent in the world to be able to do that. I mean, you talk about name who you want to step up today. You want Connor Schellenberger, Matt Moore, Peyton Cormier, Bertrand, Laviano, Doc Aiken, Xander Dixon. I mean, you just name anyone you want, right? Jeff Connor. I mean, it, it does not matter. Um, they have so many guys that can kill you in so many different ways. And this Virginia defense has really stepped up and really improved this year. Uh, obviously, Jared Connors has been fantastic, right? Uh, we've seen Scott Bauer improve and, and, and other guys are, uh, like that. Um, so, and really the defense as a whole. Um, and then Cage, Alex Road continues uh, to be a solid playmaker there in Cage. Um, so, this is a team that appears to have it all together. And I know they're coming off that loss to Duke. And, uh, you know, they want to get back in the win column. So um, that th- that is uh, the, the, the last ACC game they lost. They beat Utah last weekend. And this is the season finale here against Syracuse. Um, so, you know, they definitely want to end the season on a high note. And I, I believe they can. Um, I, you know, P.D. Lasala is playing some of his best lacrosse that we've ever seen him play. Um, to be honest with you, and 
you know, I, I, I just don't see Syracuse being able to stop them um, based on what we've seen the past couple weeks, past couple ACC games, I should say. So uh, this is obviously one where Syracuse wants to get back in the win column, wants to show people, hey, those games were a fluke, but, you know, I – I don't believe those games were a fluke. I, I do believe that Syracuse-Virginia game was a fluke for Virginia. Um, but, you know, we'll see how things go there. Could Syracuse step it up? Certainly. Uh, we've seen flashes. Could Virginia, uh, you know, just blow them out just like teams have done the past couple of weeks? That's certainly a possibility. The other ACC game this weekend, uh, Notre Dame and North Carolina. So, the Irish coming off that loss. I'm very, very interested to see how they react to that. How do they come out against Carolina? And this is a Carolina team that is coming off a booty whooping against Syracuse that we just talked about. So we know they're fired up. We know they're hyped up. We know what they can do. We've seen both these teams at their best. And I think for me, the biggest question there is, how does Notre Dame react? How do the Irish react to that loss? That is the biggest question for me. Um, and that honestly is the one of the better games of the week for me is Notre Dame-North Carolina. One of the better games of the week. Army-Navy is probably the best game of the week, to be honest with you, but Notre Dame-North Carolina is certainly the second best game of the week. I would say. Some other games I want to go over here before we get out of here. Towson and Delaware. So, biggest question here. Can Towson keep winning? They lost to Delaware 13-12 to uh, back in March. Uh, but Towson is the hottest team in the nation. Won the last three contests in CAA play. And they're trying to set themselves up to sneak into the CAA tournament after a slow start. Um, they're coming off that win over, who did they beat last week? Well, UMass, they beat UMass, uh, last week. So they're coming off that, that game against UMass, that win against UMass. They're going into Drexel, I mean, they're going into, uh, to face Delaware at home. Um, this is going to be another big one in the CAA. I feel like we've had CAA big ones the past couple weeks. Well, we have, but, um, you know, Delaware, they bounced back from a loss last weekend against Hofstra, beating them 14-13 in overtime. Can they can they bounce, get a second one here against Towson, and they have UMass? Um, this is certainly, you know, of the mid-major games, like, this is the best one. Um, I don't consider Navy Army a mid-major game. Like even in football, it's not a mid-major game. Even if they're in a mid-major conference, it's not a mid-major game. So certainly, thousand dollar one to watch for there. Um, Stony Brook and UMBC. If you remember, UMBC handed Stony Brook the lone America East Conference loss back in. I believe it was early or mid-March, but now the Stony Brook Seawolves riding a six-game winning streak. Uh, we've seen UMBC stay atop that, uh, stay in the top realm of the 
America East. We still haven't seen much separation between those teams. Obviously had that loss against U Albany a few weeks ago. Uh, so can they get can they beat Stony Brook a second time? And this one is at Stony Brook. So that's definitely an interesting one there. Air, excuse me, Air Force and High Point. Um, so right down the SOCON, you have Jacksonville and Richmond are the top two teams there. Richmond is going to win out. Um, they play mostly this weekend. Um, and then you have Air Force and you have High Point there at three and four. I think High Point's above Air Force at the moment. Um, yes, because High Point beat Mercer, Mercer beat Air Force. Um, so what you have, and then you have Bellarmine sitting there in Bellarmine and Mercer sitting there in fifth and sixth. Is that right? Richmond, Jacksonville, High Point, Air Force, Bellarmine, Mercer. Yeah, fifth and sixth there. Those two teams are still in it. Like, there's a battle for that fourth spot um, there. If High Point beats Air Force and Bellarmine beats Jacksonville and Mercer beats Richmond, which I, I, I do, I doubt that's going to happen. Um, the, 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 the upset I would say in the SOCON that could happen is Bellarmine and Jacksonville because when they played the non-con game, Bellarmine was had only like 10 guys on the bench because of COVID protocols. They had a third-string goalie in cage, and they had to suit up a backup, I believe, that had never played goalie before. So it, it was a mess. Um, and um, we're missing like half the team, essentially. So um, we'll see how things go this weekend there uh, for the Knights against the Dolphins. And then we'll also see Mercer and Richmond really – how things go, mostly coming off a loss against High Point. So interesting stuff there in the SoCon for that final bid, really, that final seed. Um, the next two weeks uh, in SoCon play are really going to uh, – really, we have two weeks left in the season, so these next two weeks will solidify the tournament, obviously, um, but it could be solidified this weekend, um, at least those top three seeds – uh, and this High Point Air Force game is an important one in that race there. Uh, last one here, St. Joseph's and LIU. St. Joe's has not lost a game. Um, believe they're on a seven-game win streak now. Uh, might be eight. <clears throat> Don't have the schedule up in front of me, but um, they've not lost an NEC game. They've passed every single test, um, and they look to have a firm grasp on that top spot. LIU has been the darlings of the of the NEC this year. Um, the Cinderella, if you want to call them that. Um, been a very, very impressive team um, in the NEC. Both have bids locked up in the NEC tournament. Um, but can LIU upset the number one team in the NEC? That is the question. Some other ones do you want to mention before we get out of here. Hobart, Merrimack could be a decent one. Drexel and Hofstra, obviously a big one there in the CAA. Another big one in the CAA. Um, the TV games this week. So we have Army and Navy on CBS Sports at noon. We have Virginia Syracuse at 1 p.m. on ESPNU. 
Johns Hopkins and Maryland at 2 p.m. on ESPNU, Georgetown and, Mer- and Providence at 2.30 p.m. on CBS Sports Network, and then at 4 p.m. on ESPNU, we have Ohio State and Penn State. Look, I, I don't necessarily think there's much to go into that. Um, I am interested to see how Penn State comes off that big win over Michigan, where Nomak O'Keefe broke the goal record and everything. Um, and then, obviously, Ohio State coming off of, I can't think of who they played last week. Ohio State, <clears throat> excuse me, is coming off a, I believe, a, oh, they play Maryland last week and had that loss, I believe. Yeah, they played Maryland last week and got their butts whooped as expected. So, um, no, f- finale there for Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, finale for the Big Ten. Um, and then Marist in Manhattan. Um, there is another one, 7 p.m. That's the nightcap on. That's streaming on the Marist stream. Marist uh, back in action, getting a win on Tuesday. and looking for another one there. Um, and then we do have an ESPNU game on Sunday. Michigan and Rutgers at noon. Can the Wolverines upset the... Uh, Scarlet Knights, uh, so that one will be interesting. And uh, Carolina Notre Dame is on is on Sunday as well. Um, if you did not know that, so uh, that is it for today's show. Um, a bit quicker, not as much in depth as usual. Um, you know, had to do things a bit later in the day. I uh, usually do this like Thursday night, but uh, that game went. Uh, you know, didn't have much time after the game to record, so recording here on Friday afternoon. Uh, have a great rest of your Friday. Enjoy the weekend, and as always, enjoy the lacrosse. Don't forget to connect with us on social media at Bucket, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. LacrosseBucket.com is the website. My personal social media at Tanner underscore Dimling. On Twitter, you can listen to the podcast, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, multiple others. Leave a five-star review on the Apple platform. Thanks for listening, and as always, see you all on Sunday.